Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Oh, good morning, saints. It's a joy to be with you this morning. And um, I bring greetings from our Bishop Dawkinson, the Right Reverend C. Andy Doyle. We want you to know that he loves you all and that he's all, you're always in his prayers. So, theologian Amy Jo Levine argues that religion is meant to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. Our texts for this week seem to me to afflict the comfortable as well as the afflicted. We have the prophet Jeremiah describing God's presence in his life as fire. He says it's like a burning fire shut up in his bones. The psalmist writes that his faith makes him an object of shame, gossip, insult, and reproach in his community. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, reminds us that our commitment to Christ requires us to not simply be nice people, but to consider ourselves utterly dead to sin. In our gospel reading, Jesus speaks of exposed secrets, broken homes, heavy crosses, and lost lives. Don't you sometimes just want a gospel that makes you feel good? Or scriptures that make you feel good? I do. Sometimes I want a gospel that affirms our life as it is and leaves us alone. A gospel that is easy to preach, easy to hear, and easy to live. But no such luck today. These texts challenge us to move beyond a lukewarm faith and wrestle with the difficult, high cost of discipleship. When my brothers and I were growing up, failure was unacceptable in our family. My father would insist that we had to perform at a level that was not just one step, but many steps above the average person in order to be successful. And my mother would rarely accept anything less than perfection. And as a result, my greatest fear was the fear of failure, which caused me to have anything but a healthy relationship with failure. So friends, what do you do with failure? So I work, I serve with Bishop Doyle in Doxison office, and sometimes we will get together to bounce ideas off of each other, you know, about what we will preach with for the coming Sunday, especially when the scriptures are so challenging. And Bishop Doyle suggests that this question, what do you do with failure, is an important question 
especially when we consider the nature of Anglican moral theology and how we read today's passage about discipleship. He believes that how we deal with failure has a lot to do with how we learn to translate failure from an early age and that it may be part of the connection between the body and the mind. Studies show that sometimes fear of failure might be part of a clinical condition brought on by a host of bodily realities. Realities such as anxiety, depression, or complications with our health. How we deal with failure may be part of our body's chemical layout. And the more we learn about the body, the more we understand that there is no normal body. And how we deal with failure may also be learned from childhood trauma in environments where failure is not tolerated, where dishonest or hypocritical family and community, religious and educational ideas are communicated. Or in my case, through discipline, that failure was unacceptable. Our fear of failure keeps us from having healthy relationships with ourselves, with others, and with failure itself. So what do researchers and doctors prescribe for fear of failure? Well, first, they suggest we need to be honest about our feelings just to feel our feelings. And we need to remember that God loves and forgives us, so we, in turn, need to practice self-compassion. We are human, and we will fail. That's why we respond to the promises we make in our baptismal covenant with the words, I will, with God's help. And Bishop Doyle believes acknowledging that we will fail at some time or other is important self-awareness about our bodies and minds, especially as we consider discipleship. Discipleship is not easy and is complicated by the fact that we will not like how being a true disciple interferes and conflicts with our lives, our wants, and our desires. We seek discipleship that will avoid the consequences of failure. Jesus will name realities we don't want named. He will upset hierarchies we would rather keep intact. He will expose the untruths we might tell ourselves out of cowardice, laziness, obstinacy, or fear, and he will disrupt any dynamics in our relationships with ourselves and with each other that keep us from wholeness and holiness. In the Gospel accounts, Jesus said, follow me, more often than he said, believe in me. All who seek 
to draw closer to Jesus. It's called to follow. And it took years of hanging out with Jesus, eating with him, watching him cure others, hearing him speak truth to power, listening to his teachings, and hearing his prayers for the disciples to become the kind of men and women who would be true disciples. Earlier in this chapter, Matthew tells us that Jesus empowered the disciples to do the things Jesus did. Cast out demons, heal the sick, and teach about the ways of God. And we are also called to follow. We can read scripture to learn about where Jesus went, to see who he spent his time with, and we can help and care for those around us. We can give, we can love and forgive even our enemies. We can listen, befriend and reconcile, and we can advocate for those who have no voice. And this will not be easy, and some close to you will not be happy. The actions of a disciple are contrary to the actions of the world. People will wonder at the change in you. Remember, even Jesus' mother and siblings believed him to be crazy. But this is not failure. This is what disciples do. You might feel pressure to return to the ways of the world. Some of us will because, as I said before, we are human. When we fail at being good disciples, we can turn to God asking for help and return to the examples of Jesus. And if we are truly repentant, our Savior Jesus Christ offers mercy and forgiveness for things done and things left undone. So beloved, although following is no easy task, the work of the church is not to let us off the hook because discipleship is difficult. The work of the church is not to lessen the cost of discipleship. It is to remind us that Jesus will guide our feet as we go out to serve as his hands and feet and sometimes his voice in a world that is suffering. And the work of the church is also to remind us of the forgiveness and self-compassion that will help us deal with any grief or sadness we might feel because of failure. And that, friends, is indeed good news. Amen.